0: Welcome to the Centre for Independent Studies podcast. What you're about to hear is an episode of Liberalism in Question. This series can be found linked in the description or by searching for Liberalism in Question in your favourite podcasting app. Enjoy the show.
1: I'm Rob Forsyth, welcome to Liberalism in Question. A series of discussions about liberalism, its strengths, its weaknesses, its challenges today. With me is Dr. Joel Harrison, who's senior lecturer in the Law School at the University of Sydney. Joel, welcome.
0: Thank you, pleasure.
1: Joel, you are a post-liberal. What is a post-liberal?
0: I think I have said this to you before, Robert, sort of um, maybe you could just uh, boil it down to a branding exercise in the university in order to try and carve out your place in a saturated market, but um, that's a bit too cynical about the state of education these days, so let me give you a a bit of a um, flesh out something uh, proper, I guess. Um, to think post liberally is to think about how you can recover in our time classical sources to then consider in present day context what it means to live well together in our shared life, what it means to pursue a common good, to understand what it means to be a person. Oriented towards true human ends, what they may be, and how we debate that, uh, and then how to instantiate or participate in those ends, um, in those goods that are well, common me, to us all.
1: I put the question another way. Then what? What is what is post-liberal about that? You're, post-liberal implies moving on from liberal. Yeah. Sorry, right. And um, here they say yes. We often see ourselves as. We're interested in liberalism, classical liberalism. Mm. You think we should go beyond, go past it.
0: Yeah, so I mean, there's always a bit (coughs) of an ambiguity when somebody says post-liberal because, you know, it's in the same way when you talk about post-colonial, you're not necessarily saying we get beyond colonialism. You're talking Mm. about how we probably are marinated within a, you know, a liberal democracy and liberal economy and these ideas that have saturated our um, life and, and modern in the modern world, right? So there's an idea about, well, how do you take ideas, say, of a life of virtue, um, true human ends, and what that means, peaceableness amongst people, um, seeking some ultimate end together. How do you do that in a context that is marinated in this way, right? Now, if you're saying then, yes, there, there's the, you're, that's the present you're in, Then there's a going beyond or going what comes after. That's the ambiguity, right? What comes after. So there is a challenge as well to what liberalism um, proposes um, and whether there can be, in fact, a better way. And so the challenge in in basic terms, I mean, writers will talk about a a challenge to a sort of two two liberalisms, you know, that are kind of twin poles of the same sort of idea, right? If you get on the left, you might have, a sort of welfareist mode of economics in which people are to earn their money, but they'll be taxed in a way that ensures some yeah. fairness of distribution, uh, while at the same time there is a free market in ethics. right? Some uh, capacity to pursue your own conception of the good or some sense of autonomy, especially with respect to one's conception of their own identity. Right? And that's sort of a... You kind know, of kind a kind of
1: social liberalism. Yeah,
0: that's kind of the broad you know, yep, yep. sweep of that. And then on the other hand, you have, you know, where you talk about a right where you'd say, you know, the liberalism there consists of, yes, you might get people talking about traditional values in some sort of loose way about families and so on. But at the same time, you have a, you know, capitalist economy in which the understanding of the end of that is to pursue either wealth in itself or um, in which value is abstract and determined by individual choice. So you've got a free market in goods and a free market in ethics, and the way those two things can come together, right?
1: And that's what you see today's progressive liberalism like? Yeah. Free free market, as it were, in...
0: Free market in goods, goods, free market in ethics. ethics. What's wrong with that? What is wrong with that is that, uh, while there's different levels, we could talk about what's wrong with that. We could say whether that creates extreme inequality um, at an economic level, Whether that in fact leaves people happy, if your pursuit of value is abstract um, and determined by your own individual ends, does that in fact undermine things like a uh, community that has traditions of meaning together? Um, Does it leave some people behind economically? Um, Does it mean that they're unfulfilled in their work if they're working for somebody for just merely a wage as opposed to having some investment in their work? um for the free market and ethics well then you've got an understanding there about um, does this in fact cultivate virtuous people or not um, does it leave us with an understanding that for example religion where we had typically we used to would have thought of religion as a kind of heightening or completion of our end a, uh, giving us an orientation to what is our ultimate end now we might think of religion as just one option amongst others and then that creates real difficulties for if you're trying to be a thick community of meaning like a church or things like this because you are now just, you know, the equivalent of pursuing whatever but endeavor you want to on a Sunday or whatever.
1: Well, I mean, one of the marks of liberalism is that it, it de- deliberately de- does not answer the big questions in life. That's, mm-hmm. in fact, Francis Fukuyama regard this as a virtue of liberalism mm-hmm. because it enables you to live with pluralism and it, it, where the liberalism entirely came out of a reaction to the conflicts of Europe in the 17th century, certainly that was the context in which a world um, almost had too much meaning, kind of conflict. The answer is let's delay that, let's have a system where we let individuals decide. All groups they want to. what is the good life, but we as a society are going to be agnostic on that and that's way we can live together with our differences. So now, the, there's now, a really is that right
0: well there's a really interesting question as to whether it's doing it well on its own terms right okay, whether liberalism okay. does well on its own terms with pluralism for example so to take what i typically write on which is religious communities and uh, questions of rights for example yeah. um, if you take that paradigm we have got the state and the individual right yes, the state yes. is what's its task under this conception you're putting forward Its task is to protect the rights of the individual to pursue their conception of the good and so on. Yeah, that's right. Now, they might do that collectively. They might do that individually. But what then happens at law then is the state that sees its task as protecting that individual's ability to pursue their own path and autonomy and so on. You get a scenario in which, well, that gets drilled down into the group itself. So you get an understanding that, well, um, how do we protect an individual within this group? So you know, how do you determine that the individual um, is able to pursue their conception of the good, even as against the group, for example? Um, how do you determine that uh, individual rights are protected? Well, maybe it looks like this, a single law that applies against all people in the same way. So a fun example I'd like to give is uh, this interesting case uh, from Europe and Germany. It's about a man named Mr. Schuth, who was the uh, parish uh, music director in a Catholic Church. And he leaves his wife and, uh, and shacks up with someone else, which in the Catholic understanding is effectively bigamy. And the question is, well, should he be allowed to do that and maintain his, uh, maintain his role in the Catholic Church? And the court's understanding there is well, we've got to balance the rights of the church, right, the rights of this group of individuals, and all the collective that is there. They want to pursue this understanding of meaning together, but that's, a, that's a collection of individuals that are doing that. And we have to balance that as against this individual who the court says is also pursuing his conception of yes, self determination, yes. right? Now, that is quite a conflictual and also potentially very disruptive. Um, to It's both conflictual in that it's about trying to balance these different groups and how do we come to some yeah. sort of resolution. But it's also incredibly disruptive about what that church actually thinks it is, right? Because that church thinks it is a community that is pursuing and understanding of what it means to be a person. And they're doing that as an end that defines it, its purpose. And now they're being told they have to take into account and balance this individual conception of the good. So there is a real question as to whether um, um, some of the liberal understandings you've you evoked around um, protecting individual rights in this way, in fact, can actually take real cognizance of plurality.
1: So we're saying that by, and this is, I can think of these examples in other places, mm. um, in our contemporary Christian, uh, contemporary with secular Western world, the question of sexual ethics is major. Mm-hmm. Um, like I get that secular ethics too, isn't it? Mm. You're saying that by emphasizing the individual's freedom, you make the group's ability to cohere questioned. It becomes um, damaged in some
0: way. Yeah, so let's take another example would be, we have yeah. continual debates in Australia about the status of religious schools.
1: Right? I was gonna say, this is the hot um, issue.
0: Yeah, and so one uh, one really fascinating instance of what I was uh, alluding to here is a, you know a former discrimination officer once in one of the submissions to one of the interminable number of inquiries we've had, um, <laughs> the former discrimination officer said you know it's the right of parents and 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 uh, effectively parents but parents and the student to choose what school they want right, and what they're effectively saying there is that they want to send their children to some elite school right and we should be able to do that on our terms right and so the law should be supporting us and it. facilitating yes. that choice right now that's obviously got very deep problems for a school that is attempting to choose based on an affiliation for the purposes of this to a shared life in which they're pursuing yes. and understanding of what it means to be human together um, is disrupted by the idea that, no, in fact, what our body now is, is a vehicle for the expression of individuals, self-determination, choice, autonomy, which or, is not, want, or which identity, or however you want to put it. Which, in,
1: which may not be the case in this in this particular community. It's it's trying to be an explicitly religious community of a certain character.
0: Right, and it's trying to cultivate that, not just for itself, but no. it's actually trying to make right. a claim yes, into okay. the wider public that this is good, right? And becomes very difficult to do that if your task, if your very self-understanding shifts towards an understanding that you are meant to be facilitating.
1: I see the problem. Does it apply? The two examples are a religious context. Does it apply in non-religious? Could this critique of yours work in a non-religious context? Can you think of another place? I see how it works in the religious context very clearly.
0: I I mean, you could take it into multiple, you could take it into different spheres around, you. so just as a general matter, what is education for? Right. What is education for? Do we see education as providing simply opportunities for students to then exercise their liberty, right, determine where they're going to take their pathway or something? Or yes. do we see education as a shared enterprise to contemplate what it means to be humans in relationship? Um, in the university, for example, even just employment in the university, I'm more struck by how do we understand our collective purpose together? Do we understand it as, again, just facilitating individuals who are going to go out in the marketplace and do what they want, or do we see ourselves as a community that is purposed towards some higher goal? So
1: my right, your critique is that liberalism as commonly understood today, effectively, is not able really to handle the reality of institutions or
0: communities. Well, there's that, but I mean, and we have to be careful, of course, because when we say liberalism, I mean, in ways we're using heuristics, right? Because we're talking and, and it's, as a generalized matter. And but we
1: found out in this series that it's a very broad term, right. I mean, very different things. But
0: I mean, if I can then drill into, you know, yes, there's a problem with how do we actually genuinely deal with difference, but at the same time in parallel, how do we then contemplate and consider together what are our shared purposes? What are our purposes together? What are the goods or well, what is the okay. good? that we want to pursue together.
1: Now, who is the hour in that sentence? Is it the whole of society, or is it groups within well, society? Well,
0: traditionally, traditionally, if you go to Aristotle, Aquinas, and so on, you're talking about political community. You, in fact, need a political community for this purpose. Mm. So it happens at all levels. You know, We talk about what's the good of education, what's the good of work, what's the good of you know, fellowship together in various contexts, right? But say for Aquinas, he saw it as necessary to contemplate this in political community because that entails a lawmaker, the king. And the king's purpose for Aquinas, for example, and then, you know, this is just pretty common in Christian thought, I think. The king's purpose is to cultivate this, an understanding of what your purpose is, what your end is, and then uh, education into virtue. Now, if you think about law, for example, what's the role of law, it can be multiple things, but it's also a, it has an educative function, a disciplining function in a sense, not just discipline as punishing, but discipline oh, as understand. informing the person, right? Yeah. So yeah. it was understood traditionally that a political community was the height for this contemplation.
1: That's great when you've got a king, when, yep. you, when you've got a, a situation where- We
0: still have a king, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> thank
1: you, uh, thank you. A king who can actually do things. <laughs> I mean, today. Oh, I, mean, oh, no, I mean, I mean, your was, Republican sensibilities no, I'm, now. I'm, I'm not. My point is simply yeah. we have a king who represents something, but who acts entirely on the advice of uh, his various parliaments and so forth. My question is, doesn't that imply a, a society where, in fact, church and there's not the distinction between church and state? There's not the division that we, that we take for granted today that there is one one ideology it must be the ideology of the entire state. Well, there's multiple points in that. There's
0: multiple points in that. One is about relationship with church and state. Yeah, but even in a context where you don't have an established church, if we're talking about what has been, if we think about the church itself, what's been its self-understanding and how it's operated uh, with political authority, it's that it's been exercising a persuasive role in history. It's not necessarily exercising, say, temporal power to pass laws. Right. That's even now when you read, um, you know, if you read, say, say like Pope Francis or something, they're talking about the rightful autonomy of uh, secular jurisdiction yes, right, is to a determine laws. But those laws, how are they going to be informed? How are they going to be shaped? What's the purpose of those laws? You know, our constitution talks about laws being enacted for peace, order, and good government. Um, right. So there's the there's there's. I'm the, not
1: I'm not criticizing the the advising part. It's it's that. You seem to imply that the advice is such that we have a common mind about the common good. And I'm saying, how can this happen without oh, some you sense must a, you, of you, compulsion?
0: Well, Which well, was lo- the case
1: in Europe. Well, law. It was the case in England. I, I'm an Anglican. I know when the church imposed a certain view of the good on of, its of, of society, as
0: it did right throughout Christendom. I mean, law does have compulsion to it. Ultimately. I know. But, uh, but, 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 but in a liberal society. we do that anyway. In That's a liberal
1: society, it, you know, it, doesn't, it doesn't impose on the big questions of life, it doesn't tell you what's whether God exists, it doesn't tell you what the purpose of life
0: is. You know, I sometimes wonder about this sort of thing, as in, uh, you know, this idea that it doesn't impose. That it doesn't impose. I sometimes wonder about this. I sometimes wonder if we think of imposing at the level of, you know, like you're proposing there, there is an edict that comes down, everybody must go to worship on a Sunday, right? Something like that. And that's, you yeah, know, there's a coercive law that's going on there, right? Now,
1: Which once was the case in England, is it? Yeah.
0: Right? Now we're talking about, well, okay, how else does law form the person? So if we have a legal structure now that, you know, uh, rooted in a free market capitalist economy, right? And people see their job as to buy more investment properties to negative gear so that they can accumulate wealth and pass it on to their children. Is that not forming or I would say, corrosively, their soul, right? Well, Is that not forming a conception of the good life yes, of that I, person? I,
1: I, see, I see your point. If,
0: In other words, you can't have this neutral space, right? We're already in a domain of
1: well, that's the tension question I, and that's,
0: debate and conflict.
1: I, that's the question I want to ask. Does a liberal society, you're, you're saying, in fact, implicitly does have a view of the good life. It's just a bad
0: view. <laughs> right. So <sometimes, laughs> that, that's your claim, right? Yeah, and sometimes but, you but, get this distinction between, but you know, surely, people surely say... I
1: don't have... To. I may run my business, I may, I'm free to trade, but I don't have to hold, I am not have to have the view that the purpose of life is just to make money.
0: Oh, of course not. I have that freedom. I hope you don't. (laughs) I don't, as a matter of (laughs) fact, because, but I mean. Oh, but the law can structure it in such a way that this, you know, it gravitates towards that or it it encourages you in this understanding. Um, But I
1: I have a freedom to think differently, even if the law I what I'm trying to say is I mean there's, there's let's, education
0: a is, is a is a good example okay. of this sort of thing right if we structure education for kids through to university with an understanding that their job is to develop skills for the economy right so if you look at the accord the current accord around um, uh, inquiry into universities right the interim report there's a lot of focus there again upon employable skills and so on right now if we see that as the end of education we structure that through sure you're at liberty so you're saying there's there's still good good luck in that it's already skewed right it's already
1: so in fact as i understand it your critique would be liberalism's claim to be agnostic on on the questions of the meaning of life or the good life is in fact unconvincing to you It, it already has unwittingly got got an answer yeah and it's an answer you regard as not a good answer
0: that's right we're already in a state of competition already you could frame it less you know um, in those terms you could say we're already in, in a dispute over what is our common good.
1: How do you change now let's suppose you what does therefore a postable world look like how do you where we have different views we have d- different perspectives notwithstanding your point about the the, uh, the, the vibe of the society as it were how can you have a common view of the good life in a society as diverse as modern, contemporary, Western society? It's never the
0: case, I think, that in any society you just say anything, you know, any form of difference is acceptable, but I think you can talk about, um, you know, forms of displaced agreement, which is a a term I like to borrow from a theologian I like, a displaced agreement at times in which, um, you know, there is an understanding that you can be pursuing goods in common, albeit perhaps differently. So, um, in the context idea. I write in, you know, I would be talking about the importance of religious communities to our common life, and I talk about why is that? Because I think you know, the common good consists in pursuing a life of solidarity, fraternity, and one that is embedded in that is supported by, that participates ultimately in a divine economy of love, right, charity. Um, now, that's a very Christian understanding. it is. Do I therefore say, well, any other religious community is excluded from this? Well, no, I don't think so. Because actually, currently, uh, other all religious communities are framed as just contract associations, right?
1: Voluntary societies.
0: People that, that right? can gather together to pursue their own conception of the good or identity or however you want to put it. Yes. Whereas that's not typically the self-understanding of these groups. They see themselves as, in fact, making claims of on course. common life and so on. Um, so when I say this about a conception of the common good that's quite thick, it allows for much more, I think, analogy to other communities of interest in this way, other communities that are pursuing their own like, albeit with some difference. You know, this is why, for example, you get this interesting dynamic in the United Kingdom where you have an established church, um, but there is quite widespread support for that amongst different religious communities. Yes, I saw
1: that. it's about the, the, it's the aggressive secularists who don't want it, but the other religions are very happy to see the Church of England in England
0: right. established. Very interesting, but it's still the case, you know. And it's and it's and it's you know, if you take education, if I start talking about the goods of education, I'm not necessarily going to be, uh, and I can frame that up. And I used before words like contemplation and so on. Now that's got again, it's coming out of a particular tradition, and so on. But I don't think that's going to necessarily alienate all people, right? Partly it's a case of trying to persuade and say this is a good thing and then you bring more people into it, right? That's just what we do. But also I think, you know, there would be obviously overlaps with various other people, right? Various other traditions and how they think. Um, So so I don't think that pluralism is necessarily, necessarily entirely at odds with a conversation about our common good.
1: A conversation about our common good.
0: Well, in pursuit of it. So, yeah. if I start talking about fraternity, what do I mean by that? I mean cultivating person's talents so that they can form a better community together, right? Now, that has behind it,
1: you know... That seems quite attractive.
0: Yeah, and behind it, as you'd know, is uh, I'm drawing on personalist understandings that then go back to Pauline conceptions of the body of Christ, right? Yeah. about the body that is made up of different parts, that is for each person's mutual edification, whatever, right? But I can still talk about that in a way that I hope is going to, you know, provide a more attractive understanding of our someone kind of who life.
1: thinks St. Paul is rubbish. Right. <laughs> so you're not, you're not, so we're still not, a, society's still not arguing whether, whether God exists or not. That's not a question of common. It's nonetheless the, the certain kinds of qualities, virtues, that certain kinds of communities will let, will encourage and not over others, as you're saying, and we should have those communities should be having a bigger play in the society.
0: That's true, but I mean, uh, if, you wa- if you if you want to get into does God exist? No, no, no I I'm mean, saying
1: the society, the the liberal society doesn't answer that question.
0: Well, it doesn't now, but th- that's actually I think one of the fascinating things. Or is should it? Say, well, it, it says it doesn't, but then this is saying, simply to say that it's um, to exclude the question, to try and exclude the question, which is its own form of answer. But I think the more you start talking about the common good, the more actually, yeah, traditionally, the way it was talked about it was, the good of the person is in the end of knowing God, as in the beatific vision, or participating in the God's eternal order that then shapes the way we do law and so on. So, so I don't think, so partly when, you, when you're talking post-liberal terms or, or common good discussion, yeah, it very much squarely raises the question of God. It's
1: also, I'm just thinking you're, View is very radical at one level because it it represents that which liberalism itself reacted against in many ways. Yes, yes,
0: yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: Now was it revolted against throne and altar? It revolted against a society where there was a lack of freedom in its own term, individual freedom, because of the power of common institutions and common communities. And you're saying that was basically a mistake. The the, the, Um, the the liberal revolt of the what is it, 18th? The 6th, 17th, seventeenth, eighteenth centuries.
0: Look, a, as to, to why because libera- it, it,
1: it is a very profound difference. As to why
0: thinking. liberalism arises, or as to why modernity happens, right? That's a, I think much more complex. As of course, to, you know course. We'd have to get into uh, you know more material analysis of industry and economics as well. Um, Absolutely. You know, you'd have to be th- thinking about you know if you think like someone like Charles Taylor and talking about that you create a disciplinary society in which the goal is to Um, uh, Create a, you know, uh, you internalize conceptions of civility rather than participating in an order of love. You know, there are multiple ways in which you can say this arises, and that can be that some of that is a deep problem. It's not to say, though, that uh, the idea that you are, you know, producing freedom understood in a particular way is itself a problem. So, you know, greater liberality generosity towards people, you know, what you would think of perhaps as grace towards people and their foibles and their attempts to struggle to find, you know, towards struggling towards something true or um, to, you know, live a life that is flourishing but at the same time failing, that sort of liberality or the generosity that comes with, um cultivating a person's talents so you know the idea that you're not just going to be a serf living your life but in fact you are a unique person who is gifted with talents that can be built into this common life and you matter because you are in yourself you are a symbol right in christian terms you think you're a symbol for god as in you knowing in knowing you i know god better right because i see the gifts and talents that are produced in you right Um, Now all that has elements of it of of course a greater freedom, right? Um, And you could frame this up in different ways around you know both for gender and for race and so on and these are these are not You know, so the uh, this is not a claim that you know all the restrictions on life and all the you know potential Oppressive features of the Middle Ages. (laughs) Oh, if only we could bring that back It's about thinking as I said at the outset. It's about thinking about how do you take this understanding of the purposes of political community, the purposes of political authority, the purposes of why we associate together? Um, how do you take that and think about it afresh now? now? You,
1: you, you've approached this so, consciously from a Christian point of view. Mm. Right? I, 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 I understand that mm. and share it, as hey, a hey, matter of fact, but do you have to be a, a Christian or coming from that tradition to get what post-liberal is about? Is, is it a uniquely theological enterprise?
0: I, there's both a yes and a no there to it, I think, because traditionally speaking, I think common good discussion is, you know, often framed within a natural law tradition, and if you look at someone like Aquinas.
1: That is the belief that these things can be discerned by reason in their private context. Yeah, but there's an objective order out there. That's right, and and the
0: idea of an objective order is when Aquinas says that law is a reasoned ordinance for our common good the word reasoned there doesn't just simply mean you sitting there going, thinking really hard. Reasoned means that the world is ordered. Yes. Uh, That we actually, in doing law, and forming a community of virtue together, that we are participating in echoing, albeit, not completely and so on, we're echoing an eternal order, the justice of God, right? So there is, when you say, do you have to be this? You go, well, actually, yes, common good discussion does lead you towards you these. You to believe
1: in some sense of a natural law. And I
0: mean, Aristotle himself is, you know, he's not, he's theistic also, right? So he's the what? He's theistic as well, right? It's not theistic. Yes, I know. So there's not, so there is that question. There is that there. But, you know, obviously you get people who are, you know, I think it's, about, can you
1: be an atheist and at a post and a post liberal? Well, music? there
0: are people that would be. I think consider themselves that, right? And they would just be. I mean, I think that's an interesting question as to you know, to what degrees do we always participate in something, right? So, you know, somebody can go this far and no further, and that's fine. Like, as in, I'd want to bring them further, but like. You know, we—I think we often are in positions in which we uh, look. I'm with you part of the way, and that part of the way does quite a lot. Let me
1: put my question another way, more personally. You're at the—you teach at the University of Sydney, um, a secular university in in both senses of the word, not not calling winners in, real, in the religious world, but also fairly deeply secular in many ways. How do people react then to this talk? To Just,
0: without talk, yeah, no, Who you knows? talk. You're yeah. assuming people are watching wrong. No, not
1: this talk. I, mean, I, mean, I am assuming that one day. I mean, in, in a university context, there's a good example of this, here you are at a university context, yeah, yeah, you're yeah. lecturing students, I assume yeah. you have some students, and uh, you have colleagues in the School of Law. What, how do they he- well, there's How is there a dialogue in these Academics in have
0: multiple roles in a university, right? Uh, when i'm teaching the trade and commerce power under the constitution i know i'm not talking about that exactly but no you, but there, you do is, there
1: is But you do, you do, do sorry do you teach at the university do you teach well it?
0: i write on in this okay. vein and i mean i find it fascinating to give an example i don't you know you know students if they really wanted to, you can read everything uh, academic rights of course but as i said to you before our constitution begins not begins sorry and its main uh, legislative heads of power for the commonwealth it says that The commonwealth can pass laws for peace order and good government now that's typically just seen as a way of saying pass laws however you like so long as it's on these subjects but it's a fascinating thing to think what if we just take that as a political what is peace what is law what What is is order what what is good government? what is good government right Uh, often other constitutions talk about the general welfare and these sorts of things now you get fascinating stuff in our constitution where you say you know under these heads of power you get for example a federation the Commonwealth could pass laws for railways. The Commonwealth could pass laws to borrow money. The Commonwealth could pass laws for pensions. Now this is fascinating because we often think of constitutions about how we limit government and that's a very liberal constitutionalist mode. So this is where I'm, I'm getting around to your point know, right? Because a lot of my writing is saying, you know, let's maybe think differently about constitutionalism, right? Because the general vein of liberal constitutionalism is to think the point of Constitutionalism is protect to limit... Indiv-
1: protect the individual exactly, against Exactly.
0: To yes. limit the government to protect the individual. And to do that, we want to create factions that are going to be fighting against each other, both within the government and external in the society as well, so that ultimately that protects the individual. When actually... Traditionally, classically, constitutionalism, you could think of it more like, well, it's about how do we compose ourselves to pursue a shared project. So this is fascinating when you go to the federation context and you see, sure, I'm not saying this is that the idea of limiting government is bad, <laughs> but it's not the complete picture. So you go to the federation context and you see these sorts of provisions about railways. Why would you want that? Borrowing, car- I asked my students this. They're saying, because oh, it's a new nation. You know, a new nation building railways upon indigenous land, put that to one side for a moment, but it is this new body that is designed to create a, um, it's there to pursue action for the common life of this nation, right? So there is not just constitutionalism there about limiting, but it's about empowering for our common good. So that point you can start bringing in this richer discussion, and this is what I'm talking about really, richer discussion that has a much longer history to it. So it's not a case of saying to people, you know, we're not dealing with a, 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 an apologetics group on campus or something. We're dealing with, you know, what is the nature of constitutionalism? What is the purpose of political authority? What is the purpose of political community? And to then think through, well, there is a much longer sweep of this um, that engages this kind of thought that, as you mentioned, in some veins, has been the thing that people are working against, but is, there, is it worth taking a look again? There's
1: so much more we could talk about, I'm going to end on this question. If Australia was a post-liberal nation, what would be the most obvious difference I would notice?
0: <laughs> Maybe that king we mentioned would have more power. <laughs> um, what would be the most obvious difference? Um, look. I, don't, I wouldn't want to say that Australia is, you know, some, you know, in some terrible state. I don't think I have a. I don't think I have a. Oh, it's it's all for the bad in Australia and so on. You know, the, the, and I, and and you know, I think to answer that question, you'd have to have a, you know, greater. You'd want to probably people would answer it from different perspectives. So someone who works in um, industrial law or right. industrial politics would talk about you know, how do we do um, employment relations or are we involving ourselves in more mutualist economies, um, you know, in which workers have much more invested say in their, in their production. So we apply it places. So you'd have it all that, or education again, I would say, you know, that's what I work in. So I would say, you know, we would think of education in very different ways about how do we contemplate what it means to be a person persons in relationship always in relationship how do we contemplate what it means to be a person personhood so that we can serve a community right um, so i would think in those terms and i think that would have quite radical difference for say universities schools and so on i'd say another point of difference would be you know a post liberal understanding or you know if it is um, you talk more about nourishing those communities that are you know, pursuing fraternity, solidarity, and so on. So we would probably have a much different conversation about the status and importance of our religious communities as well.
1: I was gonna say, perhaps there'd be less loneliness in the world, because the a real issue in right. Right, Australian right. society, mental health issues and loneliness yep. may, be, may be an indication of a community which, a liberal community, which is, by focusing on the individual, the way it has, is isolated. Right. I don't know. That's I'm a, trying to I answer your questions for you.
0: That, that's a... But I wonder whether... I welcome that intervention, Rob. <laughs> Thank you very
1: much. I've been speaking to Joel, um, Dr. Joel Harrison from the University of Sydney, the School of Law, um, who is a proponent of post-liberalism. I hope you found that a very, as interesting as I have. This is the podcast series, Liberalism in Question, as it has been certainly today. I'm Rob Forsyth. Thank you for watching.
0: If you enjoy this content, please consider joining us by becoming a member of CIS. You'll be part of Australia's growing movement towards free markets, individual liberty, cultural freedom, and a limited government. Join today at cis.org.au/slash membership.